0: Welcome in, everybody, to your Thursday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. This is now, well, we're running a pretty good streak of podcasts in a row. I think we had to take one day off because of the Columbus Power hiatus, but we're doing okay for this month trying to deliver a podcast to you every day. I'm Jake Burns. I have a great guest for us in just a moment. Reminder of great things going on at the OBR. And you might be confused. We took the week off of Twitch just to recharge the batteries. It's a downtime, not much to talk about. We figure all of the important news is going to come, uh, you know, come about in, in July. I mean, we have some news that we talked about yesterday with Sean Watson settling some of his court situations in civil court. We're going to talk with John about that in a second. I elaborated some of my thoughts uh, yesterday's podcast. You can feel free to go back and check those out. I'm sure I'll share a little bit here with John as well. But yeah, that's that's kind of the biggest news. There was not much out there today uh, other than a report that creeped out uh, about an hour ago as I was sitting here getting ready for this podcast. And we're going to touch on that report from Josina Anderson about Baker Mayfield here in just a minute. Uh, Up on the OBR site, Corey Kinnan took a look at draft needs that are pretty evident for the Browns going into next year. Those needs are laid out pretty clearly. There's five of them. That's worth a checking out. It's a free read for anybody. And then also we had Jack Duffin, who just really wrote up the uh, information from Pro Football Focus, putting out a financial salary cap, uh, basically a health report for every team and ranking them. So Jack summarized that and tied in some of his thoughts, too. So those are the two things up at the OBR. We have. Cody Sook's tight end rankings going up tomorrow. So make sure to check that out. But for today's episode, we're going to start with a little bit of a special twist. If you have not seen Top Gun Maverick yet, shut the pot off for a little while. Advance about five minutes, maybe maybe more, maybe less. Depends on how good this conversation goes. But I'm going to welcome in John Colisimo, and We're going to talk about what I think was one of the best movie theater experiences I've ever had. John, what's up, man? And I just want your unfiltered first thoughts on what was a phenomenal movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I had a really, really good time. I got to go today, which I'm lucky because, you know, any more you got, to, especially for that one, you wanted to um, get the, you know, the perks. You didn't want to get like the the base kind of level um, theater experience, I don't think. And like after a couple of weeks, they start to drop you off of those um, ones. They only put the, the hot new ones up in the, the IMAX the and that time. kind of stuff.
0: Come on, man! <laughs> What's that? It was Jurassic Park. I went with I went for a second oh, time. Yeah, had Jurassic yeah, World. I know. Or whatever it is. And I was like, come on, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Today it was yeah Jurassic Park, and I forget the other one. Um, so I just I got into at least like the up the prime whatever AMC one, which is you know your nice uh, kickback seats and and pretty good sound, and uh, that's I think. Uh, a necessity in this movie because they really rattle you in this one and uh, it was I I gotta
0: know I gotta know if anybody out there is still going to movie theaters that don't have predetermined seats and those seats that like recline let me know because I I can't do it anymore John I can't do it it's it's completely like showing up 15 minutes late because the previews these days are like 30 minutes but I know I have my seat I can be there when I want to be there like I don't even really remember the movie theater going experience where I didn't have the seat predetermined. It's almost wild to think about that. But anyway, I, I shouldn't have interrupted you, but that's just a thought that popped in my mind. Cause you're right. This is a movie you have to consume on the loudest, biggest screen you can possibly find.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Went in there and you know, they're, uh they're rattling that seat. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome sound in this one and, I, and it's really kind of built for that. So uh just a lot of fun, like, you know, I mean, summertime
0: blockbuster type movie. I mean,
1: it just hit checks every box.
0: Checked every box. Thought they could have really packed that one in too. Like I thought it could have been a nostalgia play where the script was terrible. No matter what you do, when you go from 1986 in a fighter pilot movie to 2022, it's going to be a sincere upgrade. I thought not only did they hammer out those scenes, and if you have not checked out. The inside stuff that they've they've posted because this movie was wasn't it supposed to come out in like right before or right during the pandemic and they decided to hold off on it. So Mm -hmm. they did a ton of like, you know, documentary based things on their experience. And Miles Teller talks about how, you know, they were going up in these planes and they were shooting these scenes and obviously they're not flying they're they're made to appear to be flying the plane, but they're not flying it. I mean, that's a major duh, but just in case anybody was oblivious to that fact, they're they're not flying it, they're sitting in the back, but they have to read these lines. So the camera in the cockpit is in there, it's there, but there's nobody to yell action. There's nobody to, you know, make a uh you know, make a moment of this whole thing. So you just have to kind of do it as you go. And I thought that was interesting. Like they would get a, it like a couple hours worth of footage when they were up there and they just have to come back and see how they did or what needed to be redone or anything like that. And, um, you know, that, that part of it's really cool. So if you can get a chance to check that out and read, but I didn't know how like Tom Cruise is, is really, he's not, he's not, he's not one of the, these top gun pilots by any nature, but he can really fly and he can fly some aggressive planes. Have you seen any of that stuff from him? Like it's not unnatural. No. the way he handles it is not unnatural at all. No, uh, you know, I know he's famous for doing a ton of his own stunts. I didn't know he could fly, though. I don't know that he flew, obviously, the most difficult stuff. Like, I'm not saying he did that. And somebody might be listening to this saying I'm giving him even too much credit. But he's got stuff out there where he's flying some pretty impressive planes and doing some upside down maneuvers and different things. Like, he's he's doing some things like I don't think he you know, he's not flying that. Valley run they're doing in two seconds or you know two two and a half minutes or two fifteen I can't remember what he ends up running it in to to keep yeah, his position job yeah. yeah it's like he's not doing that stuff obviously at least I hope not I mean I <laughs> guess I could be wrong but I don't think he was but um you know he can do some stuff it's just he's it's not an unnatural thing for him so I always thought he he fit into doing that really but the script was good and not only was the script pretty good balancing that nostalgia to me is really tough in a movie like this, which is heavily built on this. I mean, this is a movie that a lot of people watched who were born after, right? Like, I mean, I remember watching top gun and I was born after the movie was made. So yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, it's an interestingly rewatchable movie. I mean, if you go back and watch top gun now, it's not, I mean, it's, there's some moments where you're like, oh, okay. It's 1986. A lot of bros and their whitey tighties. A lot of, <laughs> I think that's probably peak whitey tighty movie of all time. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I tried to watch it
1: again because they brought it back on Netflix, I think, for, you know, a month ahead of the movie or whatever. I couldn't convince my uh, I think the in-laws were in town and, um, you know, Val wasn't into it. So I couldn't I couldn't draw the whole crowd. And I have to, you know, pick my spots when it comes to watching the movies in the house anyway with the kids. So I didn't get the chance to rewatch before I headed in. Didn't really feel like I needed to. Uh, like I remembered a lot more probably than I thought I would. But yeah, you're right on the balancing act there, you know, because you you want to do the nods, um, but it can get cheesy real quick playing that game.
0: It is. And and they did a good job with that. I also thought they put enough little mini flashbacks to the first movie to to give you if you were somebody confused about a certain part, they gave you enough clues, right? So, yeah, I man, and the script was good and the acting was great. I mean, Miles Teller was in a role that could have been Bad. I mean, just could have been bad. I thought he balanced all of that really, really well, and I just can't say enough positive things. Some of you have probably seen it. Maybe some of you haven't had the uh, fortune to go watch it. If you're listening to this show, uh, and and maybe and I don't know if you if you're listening through this, I, I would hope you did not listen through this. But man, is it! It was. It just. I don't know. It's just as good an in theater experience I would say as I've had since Endgame. Uh, I mean, like as far as I can't believe some of the stuff that I'm seeing type of stuff, like moments in that movie, like, and, 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 it's great to the first part into the first stunt he's doing, going Mach 10 into the second act. And then that, that final 45 minutes, which is just, it's just bananas. Like I, I just, I'm so, I hope they win some awards, man, because that was, that was a great experience. It was a really great experience overall. For
1: and I think it like, I, you know, it, Besides just being a good movie, I think it kind of reminded people in that sense what, you know, could still be a lot of fun about going to the movie theaters for a movie. Because a lot of people have, you know, 60, 70, 80-inch screens. You know, they've got some nice speakers that you don't have to have these elaborate setups and that kind of stuff. So a lot of people have nice home setups. Maybe they're not the full-blown theater stuff, but, like, I think this is one to kind of remind you – that um it's still worth going to the theater uh for some movies for sure.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So, go see Top Gun Maverick. We're not trying to sell you on the movie. We're just talking about what a great movie. I have also seen Lightyear. Took my kiddo on uh on Father's Day to go see Lightyear, which was an interestingly good movie. I thought it was I thought it was really good, but also I could see where people who have complained about it had issues. Uh my expectation was for it to be uh, a way to to sell a lot of toys and and it is it's great but it's also it just it just gives you an idea of, of why andy would have like fallen in love with this toy i don't know it's cute man it's really good the, the cat socks well worth your time so you know talking to you john but i'm talking to everybody else we got a kid they're in a toy story take them to see it because it's worth your time it's a good little flick good pop yeah i want to check it out
1: just even that premise um you know i i saw a couple of previews for it they didn't really give the actual premise away i felt like on the first couple previews that i saw of it so i haven't seen it yet but um you know just the idea that somebody came up with to make the movie was more interesting than you would have guessed maybe
0: yep i would i would totally agree with that i would uh it was different than i thought it was going to be that's for sure and then uh it was it was good in ways that it teaches you a lot about like why Buzz, the kid, like the toy, is the way he is. And I like it. Right. So yeah, know, that's what I wanted to come away with. But not going to see Jurassic World. Hurt is terrible. I cannot stomach it. They've gone too far with this when they had them all at that house. And, um, you know, shout out to the nostalgia they're trying to play up. But I'm good. So that's your summer movie update. I will be going to see Thor Love and Thunder uh, when I can, yeah. as soon as I can. It looks phenomenal. <laughs> yes. Are you in on that?
1: Oh, I'm very in on it. You know, and I'm sure that there's going to be, you know, um, all the, um, you know, nutty people out there complaining about, um, you know, um, her having the hammer, but, um, it's, you know, that was in the, I guess that was in comics like almost a decade ago at this point. So, um, it's not like out of nowhere. It's not like, you know, something that's just from these last couple of years of pseudo politic type, um, you know, social issues. So, um, it looks great. You know, it's, uh, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and you got Christian Bale in there, which, you know,
0: um, yeah. Oh,
1: come on! It looks like it's going to be very good. I'm going to go
0: see it. A lot of funny people, a lot of good actors, a lot of good writers. It just it can't it can't be bad. I'd be stunned if it wasn't like Ragnarok type good. I just would be. So, um, yeah, that wraps up summer movie session. I don't know what uh, John and I'll hit on next. As far as did you watch Stranger Things? Are you into Stranger Things or not? Is that not up your alley?
1: You know, I kind of it's something I'll go back to, but it's something I. Sometimes I'll, because I'm so limited in time, sometimes I will just go in and out of series and, you know, uh, bookmark it. I assume that I'm going to go back, but I'm somewhere in season two with, uh, with Stranger Things. Uh, I don't, have, you, have you been watching? Is it, has it kept up enough to go back and, and get back into
0: yeah, it's good. It's good. I think season four has upped the ante. Um, I mean, I wasn't like, hey, Stranger Things dropped. I got to do everything I can to watch this right this second. It's not my most favorite type of show, but it's really good uh, this season. I think they're doing a nice job putting all of the characters together now, which is imperative for a story that's got aging characters like this. Or they started out at like 11 and now they're 16 or whatever, 17. I don't know what their age is, but um, I will speak to your time thing here this season has turned them all into like mini movies. They're all over an hour. And uh, if I, if I'm watching them, I have to stay up really late and regret it the next day, but I've enjoyed (laughs) it like crazy. It is, it is just continued to be nostalgia extreme and also a pretty solid storyline. So I really like that part of it. And I also have heard though, that the ending of these things, like the last episode of this season is going to be like two hours and 30 minutes, which is, which is a little bit insane. Uh, actually, it's a lot of bit insane for a show. So we'll see it whether that lot. works out or not. I will say I haven't looked at a show. I haven't, in any moment in this season, thought to myself like, "I just wish this episode was over." I never glance at the clock. Like I think it's good like that. So no, that's a, that's that. a good uh, that's a yeah. good marker. Yeah, I,
1: I'll, I'll tell you with these two kids right now, one and three, uh, the amount of time that I watch my own TV, uh, my own um, whatever I want to watch. Yeah, honest to god if i said how many a week i'm probably at something no joke um three to four hours a week yeah. maybe maybe I,
0: so i would i think that if i didn't stay up really really late then i would be in the same boat um sometimes i'm just lucky enough to be up late either working or doing something that i can watch it but My TV to give you an update on my four and a half year old, because you're kind of your 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 boy is just a year behind or so. He's found Power Rangers, so we have lost all control. Like we have lost. (laughs) And I'm talking the power. Okay, I gotta say, and 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 I'm I'm hoping some people out there have an idea of what I'm talking about because the new Power Rangers, I turned it on and they're they're terrible. And I mean terrible. And and I'm like (laughs) Dude, what we used to watch, Power Rangers, was so good. It was different. It's fantastic. Well, I stumble on the original Power Rangers. And, dude, let me tell you, you need to kick back some beer one night and just go watch some Power Rangers original, and you will not stop laughing at how absurd the show was. Just <laughs> horribly acted, horrible... Effort on making things seem realistic, and I just I can't even put into words. I was watching it with my mouth agape, and Kel, Kelby, my wife, was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I can't stop. Wa- it's so bad. I can't stop watching it. <laughs> it. It it is way worse than your memory will will, will will do justice for it." And we back then, dude. I'm sure I'm imagining most of you who are in this like I don't know twenty eight to thirty five range are probably were Power Ranger people. Like it was everything back then. And I just thought that show was unreal. But anyway, some of the newer ones are stomachable, sort of. But uh, little guy's into it and has to get all the action figures. And, and and shout out to Amazon, who seems to have every Power Ranger toy ever invented. Uh, they have a lot of those. So <laughs> just warning you, if they, he catches a hold of Power Rangers, it's all downhill. It's all downhill. Because now Porter has figured out how to use Amazon on the tablet. So he finds some of these toys somehow, some way. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, he's, he's figured it out. So we're in, we're in bad shape, but we should talk football. I mean, we're 20 minutes into this thing. I guess we, this is a Browns podcast, even though I could just do live shows sometimes nice relief from some of this stuff.
2: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data,
0: We're going to talk wide receivers, okay? So if you guys have missed a refresher, uh, the running backs were done, covered those in three different stages, did the Nick Chubb one, did uh, Kareem and Dearness Johnson as a running back two debate, and then did sort of the what I call AYOs, the all you others, which are Felton and Ford and John Kelly. I did those yesterday. So check those out if you're interested in learning about some of those guys, some roster projections, so on and so forth. But we have to talk about, like the start here is Amari Cooper, and I think there's a discussion here around Amari Cooper, John, that is, he he's got a lot of expectations as a 28 year old uh, guy coming into the coming into this this franchise, who's going to get him a lot of targets. I don't think people understand he only had 99 targets and 68 catches last year, in a pass heavy offense, who dealt with an injury to Michael Gallup, who dealt with. Um, you know, uh, another – they had another – didn't someone else get hurt? Did Cedric Wilson get hurt for a while? I can't remember. But I'm pretty blown away that he didn't get more opportunity in that offense with Dak coming back healthy. Um, he 17 a 70, season
1: too. You know, so, so yeah. 99 targets isn't even what it was.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Like he had a 70 – I'm not trying to tell you we should be worried, but I do think as we're painting a preview here, you can see where he's not the guy that you think he was when he was traded from Oakland to Dallas in 2018 and then his first two years in Dallas which were pretty good seasons up over 1100 yards each season the targets get cut down some and you know uh, that's probably a byproduct of struggling to get open something that stood out to me when i was looking John was the the stats against man coverage he actually was 100 uh, overall in receiving grade out of i think there are 206 qualifiers 200 qualifiers here he was 100th out of all receivers in, in, in man-to-man passing grade, sorry, receiving grade. So that could speak to a little bit of a struggle. As you get older, things stop, you know, things just stop moving a little bit as well as they did. So I'm not trying to to, to warn you like that Amari Cooper's not going to have a, a solid season, but there is some data here that tells you it might not be as good as it has been in the past. You know, his yak stuff was down a little bit. His his yards per route run was down last year. The drop percentages have gotten better. The catch percentages have held steady. He did force 10, 10 missed tackles, so some of that stuff's great. But, like, he went from 408 yak yards last year to 226 this year. He's typically been up over 300. He was only at 232 in 2019. But, I mean, what are your expectations for him? And then we'll kind of get into the – to the categories about what we can expect and, and sort of uh, looking at some outcomes for him. So, you know, are you of the belief that he's, he's going to be a number one guy, or do you think that, that people should temper this thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's also an indoor outdoor question that's open with him. Um, that's very fair
0: yeah. and, and so, outdoor weird weather, right? Not yeah. Oakland. Weather. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, in terms of like tiers, it's hard to go like number one, you know, I mean, he's nowhere near like tier one um, in my mind. Like, so I think that kind of expectation should be like off way, way off the table. So the question is, you know, can he be that, you know, a solid number one for you, you know, not inside that say top, you know, where there's top five, six, seven receivers in the league type, you know, but can he be like a you know, Keenan Allen type number one for you. That would probably be my top range. Like, And I don't mean like Keenan Allen necessarily the player type, but, you know, um, how I view him long term, you know, he was never like a, a dominating presence in my mind, you know, be just a, a, a pretty solid number one, not a dominator. I think that's probably top end uh, outcomes for me. You know, and again, just uh, so much of this depends on who's throwing this ball. Um, you know, it's it's a different deal. Like all of these receivers will, you know, are, are going to have significantly different stats than you would normally project in a a full season of Watson, a quarterback. So, um, I think he could be very good. I think that uh, Kevin um, is a good schemer. I think that he'll be able to scheme up some good opportunities, especially for. Um, a good route runner who's going to be where he needs to be. Um, I I think he can have a pretty good year, but uh, he's certainly not, you know, he's not going to be anywhere even close to the realm of a, of a, of a chase type player.
2: Um, So I don't know, you
1: know, I I expect him to get 110, um, 120 targets on this club.
0: Yeah, he has to, right. I think, I think if you look, okay, let me ask you this question. If if given the quarterback insecurity that's coming, I mean, it's just it's it's here and we all know that it could get really even more weird here soon is a season with 99 targets, 68 catches, 865 yards and eight touchdowns, a successful season. Is that a good outcome?
1: I don't think so. You know, I, th- I think that um, I think it's a possible one for sure, especially with that kind of um, with the kind of questions that we have sitting here today. Um, But I don't think that um, I don't think that's going to be viewed that salary as a as a uh, successful season for for the Browns. I think he
0: can and should do better than that. Um, You know, something along the lines of maybe just a little bit higher in terms of cheer. So like 75 to 80. So something like his I don't know his his 2018 split between Oakland and Dallas he was 75 catches 1005 but only 7 touchdowns so i guess that is in the realm of possibility and it's really not it's not that much different so like are you expecting him to put forth one of his better seasons which most of those like like 2020 was a 128 targets 92 catches 1114 yards 5 touchdowns he's definitely not competing with as many quality receivers to take targets away. He should be pumped full of targets. Like there's no reason they wouldn't give this guy a ton of opportunity. I know Stefanski's offenses and really um, uh, those as a part of the Kubiak tree are not known to pump targets to wide receivers, but I just, you have to here. I, I think if you go anything under triple digit targets, that's, that's a bad outcome for the year. And, and, and if that's because of injury, right. Or something along those lines, that, that could be, that could be there and that would be a negative outcome, but I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, be- we always do these predictions based on a guy playing 17 games. Well, that's not always, it's not always realistic. So it's, it's interesting. So I don't know. Yeah. Don't
1: I'd, I'd like to see the, in that 120 target range, I'd like to see something, you know, above 1.75 in terms of yards per route run. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty good outcome. I think um, in terms of, you know, a couple of specifics for me. You know, the touchdowns they can come and go. I don't know how that'll go, but you know, that's that's what I would like to see: 120 targets and you know, one seven five, one eight zero, and yards per route run. I, I think that that squares pretty well with a good season.
0: I think so too. If he dips down to like anything, if he's in the eight, if he plays 17 games. And he's in the eight hundreds and five touchdowns. To me, that's just a bad outcome. Like for what they're paying for, which we should remind you the contract uh, for Cooper here, which is uh, adjusted for this year, the base salary. uh, And it must be because the suspension is on the horizon for Amari Cooper, but the base salary went down to, to 1.1. I hope you picked up what I was putting down there. His base salary goes down to 1.1. They obviously converted a large portion of his money into a, into a bonus. So his cap number is 20 million this year. They converted some of those into void years down the line. You're looking at Cooper is guaranteed to be here for two years. If you can post June 1, designate, if it's just an absolute disaster, and again, just an absolute disaster, you can post June 1st cut him next year or the year after and save a significant portion of money. But I think he's locked in through 22 and 23, and then 24 you'll see them make... uh, a pretty obvious 30 31 year old wide receiver decision uh, in my opinion because they won't want that cap number that that'll bring at that point but that's just me so yeah man i mean i think we've laid it out i, I always kind of try to hit the categories what a guy who's 28 and very defined in the league it's hard to lay these out you know what he does best it's it's route running typically i mean for him it's a variety of alignments that he can play and it's it's different releases he can be a real technician at the position um And I think that will be something you will see this year. I really like his ability to initially separate off the line, especially against bump coverage. Uh, He has gotten to the point to being a pretty good, he was actually 33rd in the entire NFL and receiving grade against zone coverage last year. So he has started to really settle into being a nice zone coverage uh, wide receiver, but yeah, man, he just, he does the, 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 the movement stuff at the uh, at the release, a variety of different things he can do the the stutter release the in and out the um the ability to sort of set up and do that drag release with the back foot and all of that i mean he's he's really good at that he's a he's a guy who pays attention to the little details uh which i think matters is there anything else there that uh I missed that you really like about his game? No, I think you covered it pretty much you know
1: what we're looking at you know I, but definitely we'll. We'll, pay, we'll be paying attention to those numbers for the first quarter of the season. I think are going to, you know, look for some drop off, look for what you know some warning signs there. But yeah, no, I think that covers it pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think the the drop off warning signs are right. If it goes wrong for him, it's because he just can't. They get a bunch of man coverage, which teams have liked to do against the Browns, and he can't get away from it. He just can't get open. His targets are poor targets because he can't get open in time. Uh, And some of those things, some of those things linger for him. And you start to see that decline as a guy who gets a guy who gets close to 30, right. He was pushing that 30 or 30 year mark and, and just could lose a step. all it takes is a losing a fraction of a step. So um, something really worth keeping your eye on there for, for Cooper. I don't expect that in the first two years, but uh, it's, it's in, again, it's in a range of outcomes here. We've seen, I don't, I don't like reminding people, but we have seen some, some veteran receivers come here and just okay, they've fallen off. Not saying that Barry and, <laughs> and the group here has, has done that in this situation. I think they're a little bit better prepared for the type of player they want to bring in, but you have scars of Dwayne Bowe, and uh, who else am I forgetting? A bigger fellow that they had brought in. Uh, oh, oh, God. Try and try put
1: these out of my mind. I know exactly what you're talking about, though. We've seen a bunch of Kenny of Britt.
0: Kenny yep. Britt is who I was thinking. Those guys start to scare you a little bit, so uh, but again, this is not tied to that or that that decision-making group and all of the elements to that, so I'm not trying to to put my fear into you, but you know you, you do run a dangerous game with high-paid wide receivers pushing 30. So I think Cooper will be okay, but I would uh, temper your expectations for some sort of blow-up season, especially considering the quarterback situation. The other one we want to hit on is Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is the interesting one, and this is, to me, a, a real swing player in the wide receiver room. If he becomes something really good there's a potential we look back at the end of the season when we're reviewing everything and you're like okay this is why the wide receiver room was pretty solid I don't think this wide receiver room is gonna set the NFL on fire I don't think it's a top 10 group but can it be in that 10 to 20 range I think a lot of that depends on people's Jones what do you what do you think about that is he the swing player I think he is. some people could say David Bell but I think people's Jones becoming a legitimate two is a big part of the success for this group
1: yeah it, it that's the guy that really colors a lot of my um, my view of this being a, a bit better of a receiver group than than maybe some other people think uh, is based on i th- I think he makes a jump I think he does pretty well and i think if you give him the targets then um, yeah but he's i do think it's a swing player in terms of um, if things are gonna go well in that in that unit just receivers in general then I think it's going have to it's gonna have to have. Uh, a big step up for um you know people's jones here so that you know I, I know that this wide receivers we're talking about here but just in the general sense I would like to see you know 280 between 280 and and 300 targets between Cooper um DPJ and uh and Joku like that's that's I think that's doable you know you talk like 120 for for Cooper you know 70 you know, 70, 80 for DPJ and, you know, around 100 for, for Njoku. And I think that you can get a real nice mix of, of abilities and, um, and different parts of the field that you're dealing with.
0: Yeah. So for DPJ, from a data perspective, I think that's well said, John. Um, he goes from 20 targets his rookie year to 20 to 58 last year, 34 catches so a 58.6 reception percentage number, 597 yards, three touchdowns, His receiving grade went down from a 73.1 to a 67.0, largely predicated on, hey, man, there's a lot more snaps for you here. You're going to play wide all the time. He went up 15% in wide snaps compared to his rookie year. So there's a bunch of, uh, in my opinion, learning. Um, His yards after catch per reception went down uh, from 5.7 to 4.5. He uh, increased the drop percentage. But, again, this is opportunity-based. I did like that. He was able to haul in 26 first downs. He caught 16 of 23 contested catches, which uh, for a guy who's pretty young, that contested catch number is really good. Among the best in the NFL, he's ninth best contested catch percentage. And contested catches can be not just jump balls, but you know the football arrives at a difficult catch point and you bring it in. So that 23 number is a significant amount more than almost everybody in front of him except for CeeDee Lamb. CD caught 14 of 20 and right behind him was Jacoby Myers in New England who caught 19 of 28. But yeah, I mean those, those numbers to me are strong, especially speak well to a guy who's going to be pushing the ball. A large portion of what he's going to do is push the ball downfield. Like he's a deep route runner, comebacks, digs, post routes, double moves, blaze out concept. Like he's a downfield guy with some mixture of a, a now slant concept stuff, like immediate, rpo based slant stuff i think he will do a lot of that he's done that in the past i think he'll continue to do that so can he be a downfield operator and if you're going to have him be a downfield operator which is what i think they'll do then that means the middle of the field needs to go to somebody is that david bell is a big slot we know njoku will operate there do they put amari cooper a little bit more inside than we have traditionally expected that's something to consider too. Uh, we're, but we're trying to really do here is paint a couple of things for you. What is DPJ good at? He's young still. He's 23. He won't turn 24 until I think like February, early February. Am I? Yeah, February 19th. So he won't turn 24 even until after the season. So he's still now in his third. This is why you draft him young, right? He could keep growing uh, potentially here, and that's what that's what the benefit of this is, and it's it's kind of playing out in front of you with a lot of these guys that AB drafted as such young players. It's like, oh, he's only this age. He's only this age. Yeah, these guys are four or five years into the league in some scenarios, like David and like and like uh, Denzel. And you're like, these guys are in. They're still on the 25 and below list. So that's the benefit. He can still grow. His body's still sort of filling out by this point. It's not fully grown. So there's some things, some levels to athleticism that could be unlocked here. There's a lot of a lot of interesting moving parts. So he's, in my opinion, what he does well: push vertical, contested catches. He can handle the basics of those things. He blocks well. He plays with a lot of effort there. So I think he is a league average receiver. And does that, I guess the question is before we talk about what he has to get better at this year, John is him being a league average receiver good enough for them right now.
1: Yeah. In this offense, I think it can be, you know, um, in in other offenses um, that might not be the case, but you know, the can he be like a can he be like a Tyler Boyd, you know, a year or two ago type guy for you? You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. um, you know they talk about you know building that basketball team in terms of abilities on your receiving core, you know, different different types of players, uh, so that you can do different things. And I, I think he fills a role there um, just fine. And, and and people, I mean, he he is a very good athlete. You know, when, sometimes it's contested catches, like um, especially when it comes to college players. You know, you don't want to get roped in by the those guys because a lot of times if they if they're doing that and they're getting a lot of opportunities as a contested catch guy, it means um, that they're not very good athlete. <laughs> That's it's not the case for him. So um, I think that that contested catch is a very good thing for what you're asking him to do. So yeah, um, yeah, I think maybe maybe like a Boyd ish type
0: guy for me would agree if you could get that kind of production out of him I think it would be great so 597 a step in the right direction for him a good outcome to me is getting to about 650 to 700 this upcoming year I think that would be given quarterback difficulties if this were 17 games of Watson that we were locked in on I think I feel different but if he can get to the 700 range to me that's a good outcome and push closer to five or six touchdowns So get me something like that. Get me around 65, 70 catches for 700 yards plus five touchdowns. That's a good outcome. A bad outcome to me is below what he did at or below what he did last year, which is 34, 597, and three. That number has to go up in my opinion. So that would be a bad, but a great outcome would be this gigantic step where he pushes the limits of being a thousand yard receiver. I'm not predicting that, but that's the sort of great outcome that I think you would look back on and be like, man, this thing went miles better than I even thought it was going to go for him. And he really became what we think is going to be a plus starter as a wide receiver for the foreseeable future because he's going into year three here, which he's a six-round pick, so the contract isn't crazy, but it is getting to the point where they start making predictions about the future uh, if, if this guy's going to be a second contract type of player. So it is kind of like a crunch moment for him a little bit here sort of the same way it was it is and I'll talk about later when we do a line for for Jedrick Wills but to me I think those outcomes make the most sense uh, I'm not sure if you think you have uh, a mo- a little bit of a different target line but to me again getting close to 705 touchdowns I think I said 70 receptions I was off on that I apologize for that I'd like to say 75 targets about 50 catches 700 25 to 750 and five touchdowns feels like a good outcome, a very acceptable outcome. But do you expect more out of him than that?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good range. I think that's uh, just you know all those outcomes that you laid out there. What what looks bad, what looks pretty good, and what would be? Um, hey, we're getting an exceptional. Uh, value here out of him and developing that plus number two, which um, is an exceptional value for a six round guy. I think it's it's still in the cards for a young player like that, but I I like that range of outcomes uh, and what they would mean for the Browns.
0: What do you think he needs to get better at this year? So if you see him getting uh, to, if he turns in this better stat, you like, where does he improve in your opinion? Is it, is it the yards after catch? He starts to break more tackles. He starts to turn, you know, some of those, simple catch and and tackle plays into bigger plays? Is it making more explosives downfield happen? I'm curious where he can take another step from your perspective.
1: I I think it's just being, I think he's underdeveloped underdeveloped coming out of Michigan. Um, I think they did that um, and they have done that over the last uh, several years. Um, I think he's a prime example. So um, I would like to see some Amari rub off on him uh, and him just polish his game Um, as a route runner. I think that that really could do really good things for him. And I just like to see him with more opportunities. You know, again, you know, I think that we had exceptionally poor quarterback play over the course of the year for a variety of reasons last year. And I'd like to see him get the opportunities, um, you know, uh, get him a few more of those long play opportunities. But just in the overall sense, um, I'd like to see Cooper rubbing off on him and him polishing his game, because I think he's still pretty raw.
0: Yeah, would agree with that. So unlocking things he has not done. What we would love to say when we watch his season and break it down maybe mid-year is look at these elements of his game that he has not had before, creating yards in, in, in tough situations through breaking a tackle. He's unlocked this portion of the field. He's running more out routes. He's he's really doing well with these certain route types that he hasn't traditionally in the past he's got to unlock if you're going to be a better producer you got to unlock some things you've never done so hopefully they can find a way to unlock opportunities for him and if that means pushing him downfield and just giving him more of those throws consistent throws on those deeper portion of the field routes that i think he's already pretty good at that could be an outcome too so yeah i think we've we've handled uh you know at least for the for the most part here um the 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 top two guys in the Browns depth chart I think that both of those guys have a lot of pressure on them this year it's not a doubt about that Uh, not that they aren't going to get help from Bell and Schwartz and and Joku and Harrison Bryant and all of those guys but they have to produce right like at the end of the day if the Browns are you know my favorite cliche at the end of the day if they are going to be a playoff team with the controversy that is still unresolved then these We have to look back and see two 750-plus yard guys here, in my opinion, unless David right. Bell is just, I don't know, David Bell is just infinitely better than we think, right? I don't know. I guess that could happen, but these two need to be it, and, and I think that this uh, range of outcomes is pretty healthy for what we expect them to be this year, right, John?
1: Yeah, those are your reasonable
0: expectations, I think. You know, if the Browns are going to be
1: good – those those ranges uh, are reasonable expectations. There's no reasonable expectation for David Bell to go off as a rookie. Uh, I don't think there's even a reasonable expectation to get a ton out of Schwartz. Um, could those things happen? Are they you know in the range of outcomes? Absolutely, for sure they are. You know, but but you don't go into the season expecting that. We, we have these guys actually have expectations on their shoulders, and uh, deservedly so, I think.
0: Deservedly so, indeed. All right, man. I appreciate it. This is a good episode think we covered everything we can about these top two we'll be back tomorrow to illuminate you on schwartz who has as many haters and uh, fan bases i've ever seen so we'll talk about <laughs> anthony schwartz here and then we'll we'll also talk about david bell because these are the next two who in my opinion are in line to take the snaps from some form or fashion slot outside movement stuff we'll see what happens but those are the next two that come to mind so check that one out tomorrow john great episode man always Especially the uh, finally getting to talk about Top Gun, man. Always appreciate time spent, brother. I know. I was able to
1: slide that in today. So that was uh, uh, definitely glad because this is really it. You know, if I'd waited another week or two, I think I would have been S.O.L. on that. So,
0: yeah, thanks for having me, bud. Top Gun and barbecue. I'm not sure there's a better, it's a better day well, to be had. It's having. a good day. Pretty good day. good day. All right. Thanks to John again for joining today, guys. Appreciate you supporting the pod, showing up every day, listening even during the worst, a singular worst football podcast month of the year you guys are awesome and you continue to download and listen to this podcast i appreciate your support through the obr's twitch through the obr's website and this podcast a special thanks again to john for taking the time out of his trip where he's out and away from from home to to join me on the show so thanks to him make sure you're following him on twitter at jay cosmo and we will check back in with you for your friday episode where we will continue on those wide receivers until then appreciate you guys and go browns